Hey, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. Today is January 26, 2019. The day was January 26, 1700. At about 9 o'clock at night, a magnitude 9 earthquake hit the Pacific Northwest in North America. The Cascadia Subduction Zone, a plate boundary that extends from Northern California to Vancouver Island and British Columbia, had ruptured. It broke at least 1,000 kilometers, or 621 miles, of the boundary between the Juan de Fuca Plate and the North American Plate. It only took about 15 or 20 minutes for the wave to reach the coast of North America, causing massive destruction like sudden land subsidence and the drowning of coastal forests. And while all that devastation was happening on the coast of North America, the western half of the wave was headed toward Japan. It reached the island 10 hours later. The tsunami that struck the coast of Japan was devastating and well-documented. But in Cascadia, history remained unwritten. Native stories were passed along through oral traditions. So much of that history is lost. But folklore from the region at the time does allude to huge earthquakes and massive flooding. Because information couldn't have traveled anywhere near as fast as it does today back then, nobody linked that earthquake in North America to the tsunami in Japan until centuries later when a seismologist put the pieces together in a 1996 article in the journal Nature. Before that, the 1700 tsunami in Japan was dubbed the Orphan Tsunami. Many of the stories the native peoples told about the earthquakes and tsunamis can't be linked to the one in 1700 specifically. After all, the region did have a considerable amount of seismic activity, and ground shaking and flooding were motifs that showed up often in tribal stories. But there are some stories Native peoples told that most likely point to the events in 1700. For instance, there was a story that Agnes Matz, a member of the Talawa tribe, told cultural anthropologist Cora A. Dubois in 1929. A grandmother had told her grandchildren to run to the top of a mountain as the waves came. And when the children looked back, they saw the water destroying everything. And in the 19th century, Billy Balch, a leader of the Makah tribe, talked about how water had receded from the Nia Bay in Washington and suddenly came back in, submerging, quote, the whole of the Cape and in fact, the whole country except the mountains. So even though there isn't much recorded history from the period, and we can't be sure exactly what happened throughout the region when the earthquake struck, we can say without much doubt that it was disastrous. On the other side of the Pacific, the tsunami that hit Japan went from the northeast to the southwest coast for anywhere from eight to 10 hours. Floodwaters and fires destroyed homes in Kuagasaki. Crops were damaged in Atsuchi. And in Tanabe, a storehouse, moat, and farmland flooded. These are just some of the recorded stories of what happened the day the tsunami struck. Record keeping was impeccable in Japan and much of the population was literate. All the written records come from the island of Honshu, where the capital city, Edo, was, 
which is Tokyo today. But even with all those records, the origin of the disaster was unknown. Where had the high waters come from? At the time, the Japanese people knew that earthquakes could cause tsunamis, but most of the people who wrote about it then didn't call it a tsunami. Instead, they called it things like flood and high tide. I mean, how could it have been a tsunami if the earth hadn't shook beforehand? For a long while, geologists didn't really know that faults in the Pacific Northwest could create quakes so strong they could ripple over to Japan. But in 1960, Nino Miyazaburo linked early earthquakes in Japan to Peru and Chile. And by the 1980s, researchers were figuring out that the ghost forests and silt layers they observed in the region were the result of an earthquake. Over the years, scientists managed to narrow the formation date of the ghost forest using radiocarbon dating and tree rings. By 1987, geologist Brian Atwater and grad student David Yamaguchi had determined that an earthquake happened sometime between August 1699 and May 1700. But the 1996 journal article wasn't the end of the research about earthquakes in the Cascadia subduction zone. The thing is, an earthquake happens in Cascadia about once every 243 years. And the likelihood of a major earthquake occurring in Cascadia in the next half century is about one in three. The question now is how to prepare for the inevitable. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more today about history than you did yesterday. If you want to know more about the Cascadia earthquake and Japanese tsunami of 1700, listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History class called The Orphan Tsunami. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Chandler Mays for all his production help. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.